Jacob. We have been out of school since yesterday. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> no. I've been, Uh-oh. it's so funny. So, well, was there more to that question? Because I was just going to jump in. I, I well, no, I figured you were going to jump in, so I just left it as open as possible. I mean, here, let's get some things straight. Summer's okay. great. Summer's fun. We've talked about it. I use summer to accomplish all kinds of projects and tackle new ideas and do some much needed rest and reflection and try to get my mind and body back to whatever because the end of the year is brutal for teachers in terms of just managing and stuff. But, you know, for, for people who follow me on Instagram, it's been a hard few days uh, for me. <laughs> where I'm getting to where I can at least talk about it for a while there. I really couldn't even like chat about it. And I would be lying if I said that I did not stay at the school yesterday a little bit longer. And yes. kind of, I, I was, I was probably one of the last teachers there. I wasn't the last one, but I was one of them because it was like, uh, I took like the, the final things down and made sure I had all the, the various goodbye letters from students and everything else. And I was like, man, the moment I walk out of here, it's over. It, like over, over. And you know, it was just kind of like one thing after another. And it's just like this, it's so funny. Cause there's a part of it. I feel like such a big baby because it's like partly because my two partners, you and our partner made fun of me the entire time, but our didn't You're even give me, me. Did, didn't even give me time to mourn. Y'all were like, all right, let's go to lunch. Um, you can just eat your pain away, but no, it was you know the, the it was the it was the longest goodbye. It cracks me up because the a lot there's a lot of new teachers on our campus and they don't see me a lot. I just kind of stay in my little corner, right? I mean, this way our campus is designed to everyone kind of stays in their corner, and so I had tons of people go up to me and they're like, "Chastain, you are really loved by a lot of them." It is because when they were walking out for the eighth grade clap out, I clogged the entrance and they forced me to go outside. And then I clogged that entrance and our APs going, "Chastain, move down!" She had to do that like four different times because there was just this mob of kids in like this circle, you know, saying goodbye and all this other stuff. The funniest one was Franco, which I say his name because he's in rightfully empowered. And he's in our video and everything else. But he, so he was like, I'm not crying, Chestnade. And then he comes up to me like five minutes later. He goes, I'm crying, Chestnade. Oh my God. I could not. It was the, it made me laugh so hard. It was so funny. But, you know, it was this, it, it was an emotional thing. And it's not because they're gone forever. I mean, the, their families have reached out. I, a lot of their parents made sure to, get my number if they hadn't already had it, which a lot of them already did. You know, uh, one of them friended me on Facebook and they're like, so you can watch from afar, you know, all this other stuff. They're like, here, we're going to be sending the game schedule. So I'm going to, I'm going to know these people forever. It's just the end of an era is the sad thing. And on top of like my normal sadness that I get, which is, it's not really like a sadness on summer, but it's like, I I was explaining it to one of my non-teacher friends and saying that, uh, imagine being needed every five seconds for something and every five seconds, someone is in your room. You know, this, are there, is there ever a time where a student is not in my room? 
Well, I think uh, if I recall, <laughs> even our our uh, our partner there, she apparently walked, learned this at lunch since we forced you away from school at lunch. And I learned that uh, you actually had somebody in there. She needed to ask you a question, and she just rolled her eyes and walked right back out because there's always you had a whole group in there or something. Yeah, it so just, yeah, there's always somebody in there. Well, it just happens. I never turn any of them away. I just welcome always, always, always at lunch, before, after school. I'm never alone, so you kind of have to just power through or just find your time. And oh, I tried to power through, and you're like, "Excuse me, but I'm meeting with the student." <laughs> Sometimes you- I do that. Can you like, uh, we'll talk about it tomorrow. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. Okay. I I see where I am at on this level here. Here's the thing. (laughs) Here's the, I'm very student centered. Always, always. But it's the, it's not even that. It's just, it's just a balancing act for a lot of it. But they, uh, so I, I get that energy all day long, every single day. And then it just disappears for the summer. And it's just like, okay, what do I, I, it's like my body has to reacclimate to not being like that. Cause I, I've said this before, I'm really an introvert at heart. I like to stay home. I like to hide in my corner. I don't like to travel. I don't want to go to big cities or where there's tons of people. Usually if you do see me doing those things, it's usually because there's something that I need. So I have to do something like that. Uh, but so in teaching mode, it really does – it is draining. As much as I love it, I really do get drained pretty much every day by doing that. Um, and so it disappears and my body's like, what is happening? What, what are we going to do with this energy? And so I usually have a slump, but it's on top of the ending of an era with my favorite group of all time. And it was just – it was emotional. I, I was pretty much like out of commission for two days. I was just sitting at home. My wife was having the grandest time of her life. She's partying and just like, it's summer break. And I'm just like – I'm going to sit on the couch. <laughs> so I, I feel a little wondering. sad. But I'm starting, to, I'm starting to come out of it. I podcasted today. I got some uh, some things that need to get done. We're podcasting right now. So, uh, my, you know, it, it doesn't I, – I recover pretty quickly. But I would be amiss to say that it has not been a moment. <laughs> no, it's not just a moment. It, it's a huge a huge thing, I tell you, y'all. I, I mean, he's not kidding when he said that the entire front was clogged up. I went out a different way so that I could do my duty. I mean, he was blocking all of us. I think I was the only one on that corner, me and one police officer. And usually there's like three teachers out there, but nobody could get out there because they couldn't get through the mob of all of these people hugging. And and then when they were coming down the uh you know, when they're coming down past the corner, I saw Franco and he had tears and then he had a buddy with him and they were all crying. And then all these girls were crying. And then it was hard not to cry watching them all cry. And anyway, it was, it was a sad, a sad ending, sad ending. But here we are at Craft and Draft with new beginnings. So uh, tell us, Jacob, what are we talking about today? Well, today is going to be a lot. I felt like the last episode was so heavy me just because we talked about the writing wall and then we talked about looping. Um, So I used a lot of my voice on that one. So we're going to kind of flip the script just a little bit uh, and dive into your expertise. And a lot of this is because of your ridiculous success that you had on campus. We got our standardized scores back um, and everyone knows that we don't live and die by these, but we accept them. They're a part of our lives and we do. You don't live and die by them. (laughs) You do. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. This is, but it is something that we we look at and we have to and we interact with and all these other things. And uh, as a team, we had great success, but you mm-hmm. pulled ahead in various factors and proved that not only do you still have what it takes, but you are the queen of what it takes currently on our team. So, uh, but you did a couple things that I think would be interesting. Um, for us to talk about because we okay. have a new test coming up as we've talked about mm. before. I'm sure we're going to dive into this a lot in on this podcast over the next year minimum uh, just because it's something I've been thinking about. It's something our team's been thinking about, et cetera, et cetera. But the new test has us uh, – students will be having reading responses that they have to write. Um, they have to write responses on every test except for math. But in reading, it's this reading response. So we don't have this writing test anymore where they write to just some basic prompt as they're going to read something and write something from that. And this is kind of, I would say this is within your realm of expertise and you do some things from Abydos. You did some things at the end of the year that probably led to some of your success. So we're going to dive into that. So people should get a wonderful strategy to try um, at the end of this episode, but then we'll also be kind of meandering through just what reading response is, how we're going to think about that. So I think it's going to be uh, a beautiful episode. But I would be amiss to say that this episode is sponsored. I'd be amiss if I didn't say this. There we go. That this episode is sponsored uh, by those of you over there on Patreon who support this podcast and make sure that we can keep the lights on and keep everything rolling. Uh, We have several of you over there. Uh, We're at nine. We're about to be at 10. Remember when we hit 10, we're going to start releasing bonus professional development videos over there on Patreon only So if you want to make that happen, go join us on Patreon, get some extra perks such as being uh, your questions answered first, bonus episodes that only you hear, and bonus merch, and bonus videos including our original craft and draft setup videos and some other things that we have planned slash that we've uploaded. But our patrons are Carol, Courtney, Rebecca, Sarah, Amy, Mark, Leah, Brandy, and Alicia. They are the ones keeping this podcast going. You can do that, too. Go check us out at Patreon. You can do that at craftanddraftworkshop.com. You can just search Patreon, Craft and Draft, and join us over there and have all of this wonderfulness and extra content that only goes to patrons. But let's get to the episode. All righty, Miss Ochoa. Uh, here's the thing. Let's. I, I mentioned the test briefly. Uh, and I, I kind of want, I just want to hit on it for a minute, just because you are stupidly good at what you do. And I knew this, this is why I begged you to come to our campus. <laughs> uh, when, when I got hired to work with you originally as a coach, I remember going, well, this is weird. She's trained me the majority of the time. And now I'm being hired as a literacy coach, which is your wheelhouse. You know, you're an academic coach forever and you have a bunch of talents and you've done a bunch of different things, but literacy is literally your expertise. And, you know, we eventually figured out the whole reason behind all of that, but it was, it was always odd to me. Um, You've trained a bazillion people in our district and then to go from coach to teacher, I know you 
have said this, but you, I know you felt the the pressure, right? That you had to perform, that you had to kind of Mm -hmm. step up. And then you came to our campus and you were like, well, I don't want to let anyone down. We talked about that fateful first test where it wasn't even by a lot, but (laughs) me and our partner did better than you. And then you straight up were like, this is never happening again. I'm going to dominate y'all on every test to which you mostly have. I didn't say dominate. But our but test going to be last. Our test scores come back for our standardized test, and we knew we were going to do okay because we track data. We we were pretty aligned to the state and everything else, so we knew there was not going to be too many surprises. And lo and behold, we did very well. We were third in a lot of places uh, uh, as our team as a whole, from sixth, seventh, and eighth. We were third, second, fourth, fifth. We we kind of bounced all over the place. We were in last on a couple of them, but there was like a four way tie on some of this. So uh, it's it's a good type of last if there is a good type of last but we did very very well considering all the aspects but on our specific team in seventh grade you pulled ahead so our partner and I we're almost neck and neck we're within five percent of each other which is the, the that sweet spot of you know kind of being within the same realm and then for people who are unfamiliar we have approaches meets masters approaches means come close to grade level meets as you're at grade level masters as you exceed grade level and Miss Ochoa just blows us out of the about 50 percent better on her meet scores in on level, which is I've never seen meets that high and on level at this campus not ever. And really? I was, yes, I just told my, this is why I told our principal. I said, you know what? I am not used to getting beat. I'm not used to being beat by this much. <laughs> definitely. But if I have to be beat, then I'm more than happy to be beat by someone that's been doing this for over 30 years and still loving it. So I don't know. I mean, I, I just want you to kind of speak to this a little bit. What do you think the magic was? Because the, the numbers are the numbers, and it, it wasn't a fluke. It, it happened, and you did it. So what's, what's, what <laughs> happened? How did, how did you pull this off? How did I pull it off? I don't know. The kids decided to show up. <laughs> you know, uh, I did have some that I, I, I was really – you know, Jacob, I had I had some kids that worked really hard. I think one of the things that I did throughout the year, starting with that first test, is I pulled every student up, every test, and I talked to each individual student, every test. And if I even didn't, like, I got busy, they would go, Ms. Ochoa, aren't you going to share our results? Aren't you going to come talk to us? And so they got used to that to the point that they, they you know, wanted me to talk to them. Even if they were not doing well, they would come up. And, and, and even if they weren't doing well, and what I mean by that is they were already low. I had some, well, let's just put it this way, everyone. I had, when we looked at the individual students per campus, I had the highest, the kid with the highest score which happened to be in an on-level class. And then I had a kid with the lowest score in our school. So I had, and they were all in the same class. So I had the highest and the lowest in the same class. That was that last period class that was hard for me to, I struggled with, but they, they seemed to do pretty good. Uh, Overall, I still, I couldn't pull everybody up. Well, everybody actually grew. I think I only had two kids that didn't show growth. So they just kind of stayed the same, you know? 
other than that, uh, yeah, I was I was very pleased with the growth that I saw, and I th- and I think that I think it comes down to talking to the students about their scores and talking to them about the standards. I always talk to them about the standards, and I would say things like. Uh, oh, it looks like author's purpose. Right here on this author's purpose, this is what we need to do. So when we get to that, I want you to pay attention to that. So I would let them know. I would give them their scores. They would um, take their data, those standards that they did high and low on and all of that kind of stuff, and they kept it in a portfolio. Uh, They also glued it into their their results into their uh, craft book, and then they would write notes on it. So those are some things that I did as far as like they knew where they stood. And I, and, and when I showed them growth, you know, I don't care. You know, sometimes you, we have students, teachers think students don't care, right? I mean, they act like they don't care. And I even get, I fall into that trap that they don't really care. I had the, I had one of the most apathetic students, at least appearing to be apathetic, right? This year, didn't do anything hardly all year, very apathetic, had a rough situation at home, and I think it impacted the behavior. But that student um, was less apathetic than I thought. Uh, when at when we got closer and closer, she was like, uh, how did I do on this test? Did I do better than I did the last time? Uh, what do I need to, you know, and she started doing that. Now she didn't do more of the work, but she at least paid attention to her results and she tried really hard. She ended up uh, getting a master's and grew over a hundred points when it was all said and done. So when I say the reason I'm talking about the growth, I'm looking at their scale score from the year before and I paired it to the year to this year. Right. And that's where I'm getting my growth numbers. I'm not quite sure how the state's going to do it, but that's just what I looked at was their scale score to scale score. I had one that improved her scale score by 500 points. I don't think I've ever seen that in my entire life. And I think part of that is the fact that we read every, I don't think there was a day that we didn't read. We read just about, I mean, there might have been one or two days that we might not have read and we wrote instead where I kind of, you know, needed to focus on things. But one of the things we did do is we read every day and we increased that reading throughout the year. So it started out with maybe five or 10 minutes and then it kind of, as they got into their books, I would increase it for a few more minutes to, until finally we got where they could read for a whole period and never even look up you know, some of them went like that perfectly, but that was one of the things that I did for the whole year that I think played a role. Go ahead. It looked like you were going to say something. I mean, it just, it just triggered a a thought as you were talking, Mm -hmm. which was that whole, I don't know if we've, I mean, I'm sure we have touched on this on this show, but the, the idea of not pushing for like maximum time right out the gate and slowly increasing time, both for reading and writing as kids Mm -hmm. build that stamina, you know, even if you're inheriting students who have stamina already starting at like a full 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, whatever, that's, that's a lot. I mean, there's adults who can't do that. You know what I mean? Without being distracted, without checking their phones. And you're talking with kids who already have low impulse control. I mean, (laughs) their brains are literally still developing in that capacity. And some of them uh, are behind in developing that because it's just, they, uh, there's very few instances where a lot of our students need impulse control. So, uh, 
That is something that is, I think, really powerful for anyone listening who maybe has struggled with certain things that, you know, if your kids can't hit 15 minutes, start with 10, start with five, and then you just slowly kind of increase. And, you know, I have days that uh, fluctuate from what uh, fluctuate in time. So I might have days where we read 30 minutes, days where we read 20 minutes, days where we read 40 minutes. And that it just really does give them that stamina, especially for these long, uh, ridiculously sized tests. Um, and I think that's going to benefit us as the new test comes around too. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and it is that stamina because really in the end, we need them to read for a full you know, over an hour, no matter what, but, but up to four hours, you know, and, um, cause that's how long they have. Now they don't take that long, uh, on most of these tests, at least they did in this last, last, uh, from my understanding, I was in that, I wasn't even, uh, giving the test. I was actually giving an AP test on that day. So I don't know exactly, you know, I wasn't in the room with any of them, but, um, but yeah, no, that that reading stamina, I think, is extremely important. Okay, but it's not just that. It's it's reading a variety of things. Uh, me reading to them. I had them read to each other. I had them read silently. I had them read out loud to themselves, like go off in a corner and do that. So I had them read all different ways. Um, and then I would encourage them to read and, um, we'd pick out books and, you know, we've talked a lot about that. Then when we got closer to the test, I started talking more about the test itself and I wanted them and I would tell, tell them I really wanted to make sure that they were prepared and I wanted them to feel prepared. I mean, so I just talked to them candidly about what we're going to have to be doing and how to, that, that we also need to learn how to read the test. And so I took time to, to actually, and I think we talked about this on one of the podcasts where uh, I actually did a think aloud with a whole entire test, but that wasn't at the beginning of the year. That was towards the test. So what I do is I, te- I treat that test as a genre all by itself. So just like I want to teach them how to read nonfiction and teach them how to read uh, uh, fiction and how I want them to to read uh, historical fiction versus science fiction, I I want them to, uh, you know, being able to read an argument all that. I also want them to be able to apply all of that to a test. And that test questions are kind of a genre all by themselves. And it's kind of an art. And so I would, I actually took the uh, test in front of them. And I did it in not all in one minute or the whole test at one time. I, I kind of took a week and we worked on it like three or four questions a day until I moved through an entire test. So I didn't do it all in one time, but I didn't do it until we got within uh, six weeks of the test. Now, you also did something else. And I think this is going to get us into the the more reading response towards the end of this podcast. But there is a strategy that uh, Abydos pushes forward. You do it. Um, I've 
done it. It's not something that I implement all the time, but it's something that I'm definitely implementing far more next year just because uh, I think it's a, it's a really great strategy. And I think it's going to be great for us as a team next year. Um, but this, this hexagonal kind of approach. So I, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this don't really have a foundation on what this means or what it is or kind of where it came from. So take us down Ochoa expertise here with this, uh, hexagonal. Maybe we'll post, we'll hopefully we'll remember to post a picture or something, um, of how this is kind of structured for them later in the post, but walk us through this. What is this approach and, uh, what, what is it designed for? Well, it's, it's designed for writing. It's a pre-writing strategy. It's a heuristic that allows a reader to write or pre-write about what they read. So it's designed exactly for responding to literature. Uh, It was created by Dr. Carol, uh, Joyce Carol. She is the creator. It's in her her book, um, Acts of Teaching. In Acts 2, it's on page 25 through 28, if you have that book. Uh, So it goes along with other heuristics, and she also pairs it with Bloom's taxonomy. So it goes kind of in in a uh, in like knowledge, you know, in in an order, an ascending order, if you will, uh, starting with like knowledge, comprehension, application, analysis, synthesis. And of course, evaluation or judgment. Uh, And then, uh, so, but she took that concept of those six levels of learning that Bloom's that Bloom's represented in his taxonomy, and then he she applied it to go with uh, literature. And so uh, she talks about the literal level, which is just the plot summary. And so what you do is is you have the students respond only by creating a plot summary. There's a lot of strategies to help with plot summary. Uh, The so, but, when uh, strategy, which I'd probably, if I kept going, I'd probably not have that one in my head. Uh, But you can do other strategies for just the plot summary. But one of our first responses is we need the plot summary so that we can really understand what the story is all about. It's just, just rephrasing the story in your own words or the piece of writing, whatever it is, you're, you're giving a summary of what it's about. Uh, the next step that she has is to make sure you can comprehend it is for personal illusion. Like, can you actually connect to that uh, piece of writing in something from your own experiences? Can you somehow tie yourself to this writing? And I think it's that's really important because if a student can't tie themselves to the writing, it's not going to mean anything to them. And so that is one of the things. So so there, there would be like a paragraph or something that you would write uh, about how do you connect personally, <clears throat> excuse me, to the to the writing. How do you personally connect to that? So this could be I can relate to the character because uh, my parents got mad at me one time, or I can relate because they're divorced, or I can relate because I had a friend that was mean to me, whatever whatever the story's about. How do you relate to that? Uh, that also uh, goes with uh, uh, Louise Rosenblatt's uh, theory, uh, and, and of course, that's her uh, reader response theory, so it really matches that. Theme is another thing in that 
that is uh, what what is the theme? What's the message of the of the piece? So then that everybody can write about that. And then uh, literary analysis, where you're talking about literary devout, uh, um, you know, literary devices. What did the author use? Uh, how did the author do suspense? And of course, when I do this part, I actually really look at my standard, and I don't I don't have them move beyond our standards that are for our the required standards. I don't let them uh, move beyond the the rigor of our required standards, and I don't let them move below the rigor of our required standards. So that is something to consider. Uh, And then literary allusions are other books and other pieces. And I look at this two ways because like when um, we read uh, The Outsiders. So in The Outsiders, it is chocked full of the author using literary allusions. It's just, they're everywhere. Uh, In my honors class, we read The Giver. Those are more, they're not like out there and explicit they're more implicit uh so the students had a hard time with this but where did she talk about the apple what does the apple represent and so that's a literary allusion to the bible uh this idea of elsewhere is a literary allusion so i had to actually directly teach that to the students but then i also allowed them to do a text-to-text connection here and they create their own literary allusion What's another book that they can do with that? So it's text to self, text to text. So all of that is in this uh, piece. And then the last part is an evaluation. The students had a difficult time with this, uh, but earlier in the year, we wrote a critique, right? I had them write a critique of their book uh, that they were reading. And so I referred back to that. But then I said, you know, like um, this, uh, the giver won a Newbery Award. What is it about her book that made it award-worthy? And then the students would have to evaluate it based on that and give a critique. And so these are each six different paragraphs that the author that the students wrote. And then I took it to the next step. So, so those are actually comparable, I think, to the short answer that our students are going to have to do next year. They might have to write about the message, explain the message. Or explain the theme. Uh, they might have to do explain how the uh, character influences the plot. How does the setting move the plot along? So, I mean, that's those are some things they may have to explain. So, then in this next year, I'm going to look at some of that and then maybe tweak it to match. So, like, if not, once they start, I'll start with personal illusions, but then there I might have them write about characters inside and outside character, you know, the inside part of the character, the outside part of the character. So those are some things that I might do. So I'll I'll change this up, but the actual original idea uh, comes from the six sides of a hexagonal, that pattern. And then, um, and then the students write about each individual one. Now you can stop there and have them explore just that one, or you can take them to the next level. And the next level is I have them Look at each one of those six pieces, and they decide what they want to talk about first, second, third, and last, and what they don't want to talk about. And then they write a, lo- a longer response, which I think will actually help us with that literary response, the long response that they're going to have to do. So I think I'm going to hit this a lot earlier this next year, but but I had some pretty good papers um, 
some, and the kids at first were like, I don't understand what we're doing with this, but it was funny. I had this one, um, one student, she was like asking me all these questions. I don't understand why we're having to do this. I mean, everybody else is doing, you know, the, you know, they're always telling you what each other's doing. And you're like, I don't care what they're doing. We're doing this. I'm trying to get you ready for next year. Uh, and, and I kind of premised it that way. But this one girl, when she started, she did all the individual parts and I break it down and they do one piece and they do another piece and then they do another piece. So this is over a time. It's not something we do like, let's do all six today. You know, it's like, let's do two. I just, I just decide what my kids can do. And then I break it down and slow it down or speed it up depending on their ability. Well, this one uh, student, she's like, when she got to the part for the long form and she started writing it, she goes, so you mean I can decide how I want to do this? And I said, you sure can. She said, so you're not going to tell me how to do it? And I said, well, I, 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 you've already got all the pieces there. Why do I need to tell you? You have to figure out what you want to say. She goes, well, okay then. So she goes and sits down and she, I can see her manipulating the pages and trying to figure it out. And then she started numbering them. And then she wrote, she started typing it all up. And then she came up to me and, and she said, read this, read this. This is like pretty good. <laughs> she was so excited about her piece and it was pretty good. She, she had a night, she started with a plot summary and then she went right into what the message was. And then, uh, anyway, it was just really neat. She chose not to do personal illusions. She couldn't come up with one, but she, you know, so there were some things that she did, but she turned out to do pretty good. But they were, once they saw the work that they did and how it came out, they were all excited. How do I think this helped with the test? Is I think it made them think deeply about what they're reading. Uh, and due to that thinking deeply, I think that was the final push. Because I did all of this right before. I didn't do all of it before the test. I did the, the long part was after the test. The short part was the shorter answers, individual answers were, but that was before the test. Well, I think I the, the genius of this, I mean, other than it opening up story into so many dimensions, which I think is powerful mm -hmm. in and of itself yeah. is training kids to do that because that's something that experienced readers, I feel like sometimes we can take for granted is that, you know, when we read something, you know, we can shut our brains off and read for fun, but you can also dive in. I mean, even the most popcorn of popcorn books, uh, it still has references to stuff. I mean, it's it's mm -hmm. literary, right? There's everything stands on the shoulders of something else. Now, it might not be very deeply uh, <laughs> referencing certain things, which is what differentiates genre style and everything else. But um, it, it's all there, and it's it's at to what level you can do that. And it's you know, you put a bunch of English teachers together. They read a short story or a poem or something, you know, teachers can really turn that on, right? And we can start making all of these connections and inferring on a deep level. And we can start even, you know, thinking about time periods of something was written. So what could have inspired them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but kids need that. Kids need background knowledge to be able to do that. They need to read widely to be able to do that. But they also need to know that these dimensions exist at all. Because for many students, the only thing they've ever had to worry about is reading it and regurgitating what happened in a story, which is fine. But it's really only one level, right? There's right. multiple levels to all of this. So we have to train that muscle. And I think the this hexagonal model is, is really powerful. But he, I think there's something in here that we've touched on multiple times 
times here, but I think it's just it's something we should repeat pretty much every time it comes up, which is it's the when you write about ideas and you string together thoughts and connections over and over again through various mediums, uh, you start developing this ability to make those connections. This is why uh, independent writing is so powerful because that's what they're doing, right? They're making Mm -hmm. vast connections. Now, a lot of the times independent writing can kind of flounders because kids, a lot of them just don't have a lot of connections to drive, to, to pull from, which is why that reading piece is so essential and why seeing things in a variety of ways is so essential. But you have to have that practice because the brain develops the capacity to do that. You know, it's the, as much as I hate fitness, fitness is a perfect analogy for this because it's something that, you know, if you go and lift weights for the first time or walk or do something intensive on your body that you don't do, you'd be really sore. And I've had like moments where I've gone to the gym and I've lifted too much weight for my arms and literally injured myself to where like I couldn't even like move my arm the next day. But that's almost like, cause that was me basically doing something that my body wasn't ready for and it kind of uh, made me more reserved and I feel like sometimes we push students off into that too early we'll say you need to write a reading response to this but we don't really give them uh, the tools for thinking to this or we give too many at a time like I can see someone and I'm sure you have seen this as a Abydos trainer over your years but someone taking this hexagonal approach and going all right here's here's all of the domains that you can talk about here's your anchor chart go right and then right. it just fails right and that and it would because you've got this is just a a lot of people won't do this because it takes time but I'm telling you, this is the one thing that stretches all the way from, I mean, I think you could even do it at uh, the younger, you know, third grade, second grade level. You just have to change the way they approach it. So it might not be a full paragraph where, where I'm at my level, it's a full paragraph But in high, in co- high school and even in college, when they're doing those literary analysis paper, the only thing that's not in a literary analysis paper is typically a personal illusion. Other than that, everything in here is in um, literary analysis paper, whatever's not in there that needs to be added, you can can do that. The other thing that I had them do too, uh, Jacob, is they wrote their paragraphs on the right side of their draft book. On the left side, after they wrote, then the next thing they had to do once they got everything wrote, written, then they had to go back in, they had to reread their paragraphs. This is before they started the big piece. They had to reread their paragraphs and they had to go find sentences that supported what their paragraph said. So they had to. So if they said that, I brought up the apple earlier, you know, what did it mean? Then they had to go find a sentence with that in there to support uh, what they were saying about that. So uh, this was also with textual evidence. Uh, So anyway, I thought that was very powerful. So the students were, that's where I had to help because they couldn't quite remember where some of the stuff was. And so I would sit down. So my conferences actually became more of, um, here, let me help you. And this is how I'm finding it. I'm scanning. So you're looking for the apple. So I'm scanning. I know that it was in this part of the book because I remember what I read. You know, now you could write that stuff down as they go. But it was kind of neat to watch them go back and try to support their thoughts 
And then they had to skim back over the book. And some of them really got to know what the books were about. But I typically do this when we do novels. And I and I break it down differently for my on-level versus my honors. My honors, they did the entire piece. My uh, on-level, they just, they mainly, I picked up literary devices. And I picked um, plot summary and evaluation. So I kind of... I kind of just picked a little bit for them because just of where their level was at. And then we concentrated on the character. We did more of a character analysis. And so that's what I did with them. But the idea of reading and writing. And the other thing too, is I wanted them to do that literary illusion and talk about, uh, you know, that's really cross paired text, right? Uh, So I had them look at some of that. And so as we went, and this was, um, our partner's idea. And she, she was like finding all of these, um, poems, other stories, short stories, um, nonfiction pieces. And then we were talking about that. And so I used that. And so what I actually did is I had this and she did hers and I did mine, but it was still the same thing. Uh, we took all these different pieces throughout paired text that would go with chapter three. And so then the kids would read that paired text and then they would answer questions and short answers and all of that, but then they would have a discussion. But not only that, I I would have them, I did a four square where they had to uh, compare three other texts with their novel. And then I did a, I took another set and we did a triple Venn diagram. I did that with the honors kids. And then we did, um, with the honors kids, I did a study of conformity. So we read all about what is conformity. And then they did a paired, I mean, a T-chart and they did a comparison and analysis. So we had other analysis along the way as we were reading. So I think that was all pretty high level, but I did not start the year that way. We just gradually did that. And then we ended with this big, huge high level stuff. And I told them, I'm trying to get them ready for the next year. That's my job is so that when they walk in next year, whatever gets thrown at them, they they know that they can already do it. Well, and that's, I mean, a lot of that is simply the, oh, a lot of that is simply the, 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 what, what is happening as we're building them up, you know, we're in middle school, you know, it's not really focused on literary analysis. It's, it's leaning that way. These, uh, with this next test, I imagine we'll see how it all plays out with, you know, there might be some nuances that come out, um, with this test that we're not fully aware of, uh, that might affect certain things, but I, you know, it's, this is the, the good stuff because even beyond the test, being able to read something and dissect it in multiple ways, this helps social studies. This helps science. Mm-hmm. This helps all of this. This helps uh, social media literacy and internet literacy. This helps uh, being like news literacy, right? Being able to take in the, the news and understand there's multiple elements to this, you know, especially – in America where we have, you know, we have a 24 hour news cycle and their job is to get eyes on articles and eyes on videos. And they, we all know about clickbait, but there's also, there's other elements to that. You know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's propaganda that comes through these channels and uh, teaching kids to, uh, 
even if you know something's propaganda, it doesn't mean it's wrong, right? It means it right. could be it could be uh, twisted a certain way, um, but it doesn't mean it's wrong necessarily. Uh, and matter of fact, I think propaganda is strongest when you're watching it through. Uh, a lens where the the information is relatively correct, and you're watching it through the lens that sides with that information, right? That that's when that stuff is most uh, persuasive. But adults uh, who are educated can make those decisions themselves of basically saying, "Yeah, this is right, and I agree with this," or "This is right, but I still disagree with it," right? And and make those discerning kind of stepping outside of this bubble of just constant information. But this is something that I feel like is getting more and more important uh, in schools is access to content isn't really the problem anymore. It is to a certain extent because not everyone has equitable access to certain things. Um, But pushing that aside, assuming everyone has the same relative access to the internet, if we want educated people and people that can survive and, and vote in a way that is educated, uh, even if we disagree with it, they still have an educated background to vote in the way that they feel like they should or advocate in the way they should or ignore all of it in the way that they want to. It is that process of breaking down things into elements and then being educated enough to make your, uh, your executive decision about where you land on those things. And that is something that I think that, uh, that when, 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 uh, you know, we did our breakdown of, um, what was it? What was that article that we broke down for two days? It was from who? It was from the national, um, English teachers. Association. Yeah. Any, yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. they, uh, like even that stuff where they put, where they're pushing for like more media literacy, this is what that is in, in, in a, in a different scope, but it's also, you know, our content is so diverse in the sense that, you know, we can do it with a novel, like you do it with the giver, but the giver has so many levels to it that you really, that, that book just opens up. Even the outsiders does. I mean, most books do have multiple levels. Um, and I think this goes back to, the whole point of, you know, our conversations where we've talked about what's literature versus non-literature, you know, what makes a book more deep or not deep or whatever. Um, it's just, it's really about kind of giving these skills to kids because, uh, the world wants to manipulate you in a variety of ways. I mean, I often sit and go, man, I don't even know what to think on this issue because there's, I can find a million great arguments on both sides. And you know, that's a uncomfortable reality for a lot of people, but it's something that kids need to think about because they are so in the world of paid advertisement. Like they don't realize that like a lot of these TikTok stars are being paid to sell them the certain things, right? The down to the clothes they wear, to the things they say, to the hashtags they use. It's all manipulated by these big talent agencies that are just used and they make a lot of money doing it. And they're really great about doing it. Um, just the other day there was, my wife was showing me this tweet about a book and I was like, guarantee, I guarantee you this was a a targeted thing. Maybe not, but there's just, we live in a world where everything is being targeted to you. I mean, I have a relatively large social media platform on Facebook with teach me teacher and I can target ads down to zip code. If you don't, I mean, and that is something that we've never had to deal with before. I have that power and I'm a nobody in like the grand scope of things. You know what I mean? Imagine what multi-billion dollar corporations can do. It's just, I mean, and that is 
I feel like this is, and the reason I'm saying all of this is because we're focusing with the test as the core thing, but this is a rare instance where I feel like the test is actually doing something great. Having us have students be focused on reading response in this way is powerful for teachers because it gives us a reason to have to break things down in multiple ways and have kids think that way to put writing back into reading response rather than just answer selection. So I'm actually very pro this move from the state of Texas and our tests and everything because we don't know what it could be a theme question. It could be a conflict question. It could be a plot question. But the only way we'll ever do that is to do strategies like you've mentioned here, which is we teach kids how to break things down and that way when they're faced with this, not only can they answer it correctly, but they will be able, they'll already have those skills, which translate, uh, into other things. I don't know. What do you think well, from all of that, the, the real yeah, world I implications mean, of all of this? Uh, right. Well, I mean, first of all, you know, just the mere fact that I had them go, they write and always have them write first. And one of the reasons I have them write and not do all their quotes and all of that. And I do this in research too. research, all of this stuff, put it all away and now write. And the reason I do that is because it becomes their words. It because they're not, I mean, it's whatever, however, their brain is putting together all this information. So it becomes their words. And then I say, what do you, what do you want to say first? What do you want to say last? And I, and I try really to stay with whatever it is they want to say is is how they d- determine how to put it together. In other words, their uh, what they want to say determines their form. And, and so that keeps me from inserting my thoughts because I could easily go, well, I really think you need to start with this sentence here. And, you know, I can do all that, but, but I've had to learn to pull back and I teach them to actually think about it. Uh, and then they go in and find their textual evidence. And so if this new test that we're going to do, uh, and, and I also talked to the students about part A, part B, and we also allowed them to answer questions like that with these paired passages. That's the other thing we did is they had questions on there that had a part A. And then the next part would be, okay, which sentence best supports part A. And uh, so you'd have to, if you miss one, you're going to miss the other. So they really have to be critical in their thinking. And then, you know, then I explained to them the writing is going to be similar, but now they're going to have to do it in a short answer. So, and in that short answer, you're gonna have to find textual evidence to support what you're saying. And so I just think, Letting those students practice this, and I just really feel like next year, this is what's on my brain, and this is what I do at the end of the year. You know, we ask you how you were doing, but me, I'm already thinking, what am I going to do to begin next year? I'm already thinking about what's my theme? Where am I? What am I going to do? You know, last year I did dreams, right? Meet your dreams. And I ended my year with the idea of how, what is success to you? Uh, and is it meeting your dreams? So I kind of tied that all back together at the end. And so I like to do that kind of thing. So I'm already thinking about maybe what my next theme might be. And, but I do know one thing is for sure. This literary analysis typewriting needs to be sooner than later, uh, in this case. And so I'm, I'm still though going to begin with writing about 
what they know best from themselves. I think they need to write about that first, but then immediately, you know, once we kind of get that going and get them used to writing, then I we need to do responding to their reading. And I, I hit that a lot of times with SSR, but I may fine tune my SSR responses a little bit more um, strategic uh, to the standards to make well, sure that we get everything in. And my... I think I said this in a meeting we had once, but I was talking about how, you know, the last few years I've been really obsessed with writing, uh, clearly. Um, and it's something that I, I lead more that way these days, but going into this next year, I'm, I'm probably going to talk a, a lot more about reading, um, simply for the fact that I felt this was kind of the first year in a while where I felt kind of stale in my reading practices, um, you know, I did like some of the core stuff and, you know, we did responses and the, the, we used our craft book to do reading responses and we did a lot of independent reading, but I haven't really spiced up that side in a while. And I think this is, this is a, a really good time to do that. So I'll be interested to kind of see how our conversations evolve over the next year in terms of, um, where my focus is, where our team focuses, where we find more success and everything else. But I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for this next this next year. I think we're gonna, you know, we're we're, we're at the stage of our team. Really, I mean, and professionally, we're, it's just fine tuning and and kind of uh, hitting at some things. Now, we're, there's a part of it where we're kind of shooting in the dark because we don't know too much about what's gonna happen. But we we have enough information to where um, we can make some some targeted decisions. And hopefully, the the Texas teachers who listen to this can kind of listen along and uh, be. Uh, a little bit more in the know, um, because this is something that, you know, we're focused on, but it's all within the authentic practice. It's within the craft and draft framework. It's within workshop. It is never just about the test, but the test is there. I don't know. Do you have any closing comments as we, uh, in tonight, Miss Ochoa? Uh, well, the only thing I can think of at this point is when, when you're dealing with an unknown, which is, this test that's coming up. We're not quite sure. And I, you know, I've dealt with a lot of changes along the years, about every 10 years. Just, I think I've lived with, I'm a, lived through almost every test. I think I only missed one of them. But anyway, with that said, the unknown, you have to trust the reading and you have to trust the writing and you have to believe that these students through their reading and writing will be successful. So we have to teach them to read. We have to teach them to write first. We have to allow them that time to do it. We have to give them ownership of their reading and their responses and their writing. And we just really, truly as teachers need to conference, 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 and trust the process. And that is it for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. That's been Craft and Draft. If you enjoyed this episode, hit that follow button or subscribe button, whatever it is on your device. That way you don't miss any episode. We drop an episode every single Friday. We drop bonus episodes every month on our Patreon, which you can go support at Craft and Draft and Patreon. You can find that link at craftanddraftworkshop.com or you can just search Craft and Draft over there on Patreon. Thank you for those of you who already support us over there. We'll be dropping another bonus episode uh, probably by the time you hear this. It'll already be live uh, because we are due for another one. Join us on Patreon so you can get your questions answered first, have direct access to us, and bonus episodes and bonus videos. If you don't want to do that, leave a review for the podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes. Come back next week. We're going to continue our talk. We are now in summer break. 
So we'll see where we go with all of this information. We'll see what kind of topics we cover. If you want to see a topic, you can always DM us. Uh, and maybe we'll just spend a whole episode on your question or maybe just pop it in. It just depends on how long we want to talk about any given subject. Don't be afraid to ask questions. That's what we love to do is answering your questions. And remember that we are here for you. <laughs> <laughs>